0: 1st Timothy, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have your own Bible, 1st Timothy, chapter 5, verse 17, today. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We encourage you to follow along with us, but maybe you have your own, or you can look across at a neighbor's. We are going through these last chapters, I would say, rather slowly. My son, Gabe, reminded me it took us eight weeks to get through three verses, That was not very encouraging for me, but hopefully we learned something. Last week, you might remember, it was a little bit more practical in this statement that we are family, and we need to treat those of us who are older with the respect and honor we would treat a mother and a father, younger as brothers and sisters, sisters with all purity, and then benevolence, how to honor widows in regards to physical aid and knowing that our circumstances culturally are different, we took some truths from that section to apply to our lives to how we can help those who ask us for help. Because it's not as cut and dry as we think, and sometimes we need to flesh out the Bible with the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you are all listening, those who get the midweek reminder Because only one person responded, thank you, Terry, to my question of what did you learn last week? Now, I'm sure you all learned something, but you just forgot. Uh, I'm just joking completely because usually on Monday I don't remember my own sermon as well. So, verse 17 says this. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Verse 18. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Verse 19. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Verse 21, I charge you before God in the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Verse 22, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden." I started the week thinking I would just quickly move through these verses and into chapter six, where maybe I have more of a passion in regards to how we handle our resources and our finances, but as I was with Amy and we were speaking about it, we just felt that we need to give you the whole counsel of God, amen? So we don't want to skip verses even though they might be practical, but try to draw from them what the Holy Spirit would say to us today. We know the book of 1 Timothy is written to the church. It's written to Timothy, the pastor or lead elder of the church in Ephesus. So it's very practical. Very practical in a lot of ways in terms of doctrine, in terms of prayer, how important it is the qualifications of leadership, how we're to handle one another, and even last week, very practical as well. And here this week, my ambition is just to go through, maybe quickly, what I think it means, and then what the Lord is showing for us this morning. So elders or leaders, which it's a good thing to desire, it says very clearly in chapter 3, verse 1, Those who rule well are worthy, and the word in Greek is value, so of double value. Double value, not only double honor, but double value, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Now Paul backs that up from scripture saying you shall not muzzle the ox, basically if the ox is working you should feed it or you're not going to get good production, The Old Testament makes it clear that the Levites, those who served the people, were to be taken care of by the people. And so here Paul is taking that those who are in full-time ministry are worthy of the higher, and sometimes I know in my life being a part of both sides of the equation, and I don't really like teaching on this verse, by the way, that's why I didn't even want to, I wanted to go right through it, but, the reality is if someone is working hard and they're in the ministry, they shouldn't be the one who's always begging and needy. And unfortunately in our society, it seems those in the ministry, for the most part, aren't paid very well. But it's clear here that Paul says that's not the case. Now you might say, well, Paul didn't take anything. There are times when Paul did not take anything. There are times when Paul did take something. And so... The reality is, at other points, he said they deserve the hire, and Paul said, I don't want it, and that's up to him. So, if there was someone in a church and you said, Well, they're working hard, they're worthy of the value for what they do, we should pay them a good wage, and if that person wants to give it back, amen, that's their business, right? And if Paul said, I don't want it because you're gonna create a difficulty, and that was his choice, But I think that we are called, myself included, for those who are in the ministry to support them faithfully. Amen? Sometimes in my life, I want something for nothing. That's not the way it works. Amen? And we need to do that. Sometimes we're always looking for a deal, but I think with God's servants, we shouldn't be looking for a deal. We should be looking to bless them as much as possible. All right, moving on. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was. So, (laughs) knowing they're in the ministry, do not receive an accusation against an elder. And that doesn't mean a senior person. That means someone in leadership, except from two or three witnesses. And this isn't just, I would say, an elder. This is anyone that... An accusation needs to have at least two or three people defining whether it's accurate. It's you're in your house, there's a fight, you got your kids going at it, and you don't got no idea what happened, right? He hit me, she hit me, he said this, she said this, and you're like who's telling the truth? So you do your best to sort it out, but if you have a couple other ones who are watching, this is one of my tricks, so-and-so, what happened? Now they might like one sibling better than the other, so it's better to have two or three witnesses (laughs) in regards to these situations. But eventually the truth is going to come out, amen. We can't deny something that's not true if many people see it, and that's what scripture is saying clearly here. We have seen, especially in our day and age, that lying is so much a part of our culture, but really There is no place for lying if it's multiple people involved. Amen? If there is a problem, we certainly need to rebuke the one who has failed. And something that we don't do today, and I'll talk about this in a moment, is a public rebuke, especially if they're in leadership, that we should know what's wrong, and we should know what's right. And there are consequences for what is wrong. God is never about embarrassing someone. God is always about redemption and restoration. Amen? Sometimes for all of us to know what's right or wrong, there needs to be a public statement or address that we as a group don't believe this is right. And we see this in the book of 1 Corinthians if you're not going to change and stay in your sin, then you can't be a part of what we're doing. But our desire is that you would be restored and choose not to live in sin. And by the way, it's not necessarily whether I do right or wrong. It's whether I say wrong is right, and then I live in it. That's the problem, right? So we have to, to know that. And their situations, especially in our culture, where I don't believe that's wrong, and I'm going to tell everyone that's not wrong, and yet it's opposed to the Bible. But we have a responsibility, if they're going to speak that way in leadership, to say no, and if they're living that lifestyle. So we don't do that publicly because if someone believes that. Unfortunately, in our society, they just go somewhere else, right? I don't like that church. I'm going to go try a new flavor on this week, and they don't like me, so... And if they don't like me there, I'll go somewhere else. And eventually you can find your flavor, right? But we're going to talk about the importance of community in, in, in a moment. But you're going to see relationships in community are really important. Really important. So it goes on to say, I charge you. So this is Paul to Timothy before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, and your Bible would say, it might say the chosen angels, the messengers, so we think Michael or Gabriel or someone like that, that you observe these things without prejudice, bias, and do nothing out of partiality. It goes on to say, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. So anyone in regards, he's talking about elders in leadership, don't quickly put someone in leadership. But take your time because holiness and integrity and purity is important. We're not asking anyone to be perfect, by the way, because we all have our failures. Amen? So, then it goes on to say, no longer drink water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. My wife is making a batch of kombucha for our digestive system. It is a little fermented. I will admit that to all of you. And it does a work on our stomach. By the anyway, it's supposed to help, but I wonder sometimes. But anyways, <laughs> I want you to know that Paul is saying very clearly, don't go get drunk. But sometimes wine has a health value and there's nothing wrong with drinking. And we need to know that and we don't need to go into one ditch or the other. We don't want freedom to go live lives of drunkenness, but we don't want to live in legalism, right? And so that's a a nice little verse there. And then it says, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men will follow later. Basically, the heart is what matters. Because we're really good at masking the outside sometimes. And it's not, I guess, again, not that we're perfect, but we're open. Because sometimes it's obvious, and we need redemption and restoration and forgiveness, because we all need a little kick in the butt sometimes, right? But there's no use in hiding it, because eventually it's going to come out. You know that? If you're hiding, it's going to come out. And if you think you're fooling us, You're not fooling anyone because in the long run your character and your integrity will show truly who you are to the negative and to the positive. Amen. I don't know if that person does any well. You don't know if they're a prayer warrior and then maybe years later you'll be like oh man look what that individual did. I just think time and I'll mention that at the end truly will show you the character of a person. And first impressions in ministry aren't sometimes the best impressions because we're all great actors and actresses. To be genuine and truly who you are is the most important thing. We're all on a journey and we all want to grow with Jesus. But if we want to have true community, it takes time and it takes openness amen all right so maybe a little bit you'd be like that's a sermon great now i'll remember like that was so short finally um uh honor the elders i'm not going to talk about elders i'm not going to really talk about character so much i'm going to talk about community and how these verses fit in and i just want you to know this there is tremendous power in community and fellowship. And all of these verses hinge on a church that is truly in community. God's word makes it very clear as a community, we're to support those who are working for us. Amen? And that's the first section. That's what I see. We together, each giving what we can, support those who are blessing us spiritually. The second part, though, in terms of two or three witnesses bringing forth an accusation, is quoted from Deuteronomy, and it's even quoted in Matthew chapter 18. Community develops safety. Community and fellowship and unity truly are protective for us, for when we are going the wrong way, People around us can come and share and say, don't go that way. Matthew 18, if you'll turn there with me in your Bibles to something Jesus said to help. And it's a passage that you know very well, I'm sure, if you've been reading through your Bibles. If not, I hope that it will speak to you this morning. But the same thing in verse 16 of chapter 18, and these are the words of Jesus. Actually, I'll start with 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not take with you two or more, that by the mouth of two or three witness, every word may be established. I just think that's really important, that statement. You establish with community and the words of community. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, the greater community, let him, to you, be like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And here's the famous verse, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am here in the midst of them. This is a verse that we quote often with prayer. And I don't think necessarily it's bad to quote with prayer. But really, the intention of Jesus in saying this is in regard to discipline in our lives and the church. That's why he says that. think like, we love to quote it when only two people show up to prayer meeting, right? Like, we're trying to encourage each other. Like, oh, there's only three of us. Well, well two or three, God's in our midst, right? But really, we're like, where's everybody else? But we got these verses that we crank out when we're really discouraged but in context, it's not the right context. The context is like 1 Timothy 5 in regards to discipline, and if someone sins against you, go to them, they don't respond. I take two or three people who have seen the same thing, and we go to that person and say, this is evident, and if they don't listen, then we go in front of the whole community and say, listen, you can deny this all you want, but the reality is the Holy Spirit lives in us. Just like he lives in you, but we're seeing the same thing and we want to redeem and restore you. So we're asking you in humility, please stop. It's protective for us. And again, it's like the children who did what? This and it said this or that. There's none of that when more than one person has seen the same thing every word established when we speak. And I think in the spiritual realm, we don't understand the power that we, when we come together and agree on something, that is truth. We've lost sight of the spiritual realm. And I read specifically this morning in Ephesians chapter 6 to tell you there is a spiritual realm and everything isn't in the physical here. So in the spiritual realm, as we agree together in truth we are binding it in heaven that it might happen on earth and it's interesting when paul goes on to exhort timothy he says he does it i charge you before god jesus and the chosen angels there's going to be no partiality or bias he says Clearly in verse 21. But I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you in front of God, Jesus, and chosen angels in community that you can't do this. You follow? What's going on in heaven needs to happen here on earth. So when God created, he didn't create alone. The word in Genesis is that the Trinity created. Actually, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit do everything together. But there's a sense in agreeing there's power and we need to understand that on earth and that's why we can apply it to prayer. When we come together in prayer as two or three, we have to understand what we say in faith is established. If it agrees with the truth of God's word and his will, we can pray in confidence that God will establish what we pray for. It's interesting, two or three are gathered, but the important part is God is in our midst. And so he puts the seal together because we're in a relationship with God, we're in fellowship with him. So together, the spiritual realm, the physical realm, in the truth, right, and we agree upon it together, it is established, and we can speak with confidence. So if someone is living in sin, an elder, maybe they're stealing money or sleeping around, they're denying it or saying it's not wrong, we can come together and bind that in truth and say, listen, we love you, don't do that. And you know what? That's what we need to do for each other. And there'll be power. And I think we've lost a sense in the North American church of what church is really about. It's not about getting bigger. (laughs) Well, that would be great, just because more people would get saved. But the church is about Jesus Christ being worshipped and glorified and we helping each other, not only through encouragement and edification, but through correction. And we lost sight of that, so we just run next door when we don't like what they're saying. And you know, some people say to me, well, I don't have any fellowship there, and nobody says hi to me, and nobody talks to me. Can I tell you, well, what are you doing? Who are you saying hi to? (laughs) Who are you having over? Who are you investing in? I hear that so much. Forget about this church, because I was walking this morning, doing a little prayer walk down the street, enjoying the sun. I don't want this to be on Northgate. I could care less. This is about the body of Christ. And people who say, I don't have fellowship, what are you doing in your life to have open fellowship with others? I don't want to go. Can I tell you something? The devil knows the power of established words in community and people working together. So if he knows the power, what do you think in the spiritual realm he wants to do here on earth? He wants to destroy community. He wants to destroy real fellowship. He wants you to be alone. I like being alone. You might, but your spirit doesn't. And there's a time to be alone, but if alone is all you have, alone is not good. Because the reality is we've been formed for relationship with God and for each other. We were not created to be alone. And there is such truth in this, in the spiritual realm, that we lose sight of because we isolate. And the reality is sometimes say, "Don't tell them your problems. You might be embarrassed. Your pride. Join the club." (laughs) And if anyone wants to judge someone who's confessing their sin, shame on you. This church will be built in grace. But I want to tell you, grace teaches you to live a holy life. You know, people love grace. Well, yeah, grace just always forgives. Yes, it does, but that forgiveness teaches you to do the right thing. So in a fellowship and in a church, what happens is we do not judge you for confession, But next week, I'm going to call you. I'm going to say, how are you doing with that? Because God has forgiven you to live a holy life, not to continue in sin. And when we know we're forgiven, and when we're encouraged in Jesus Christ, because truly he is everything, we do want to keep each other accountable to truth. Amen? I really believe Pentecost, the move of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, was obviously a sovereign work of God. But one of the things we see is they were in one accord. You hear me? They weren't all going their own way. They weren't all doing their, their own thing. They were in one accord in prayer together and the Holy Spirit came. It was a sovereign work of God, but it gives us an indication of how we should live, that God's sovereign work might happen through us, that we would be in one accord, in his truth, in his spirit. Amy had a word about a year ago from today that this is something we've wanted to change here at Northgate. Because a lot of times we felt we're like little ants all doing our own thing. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with independence and doing your own thing, but in the end, you got to come together for one purpose, amen? (laughs) You really do. And you have to be keeping each other accountable. And we want to see more genuine vulnerability. We want to see opportunities. And that's why the push to home groups, that's why the push for you... To pray with each other after service, and it might not be the deepest conversation, but we have to start somewhere. And it's not comfortable sometimes. And I'm not—we're not forcing you to pray. But here's what we are: we want to give you opportunities to be together beyond the weather and the Raptors win last night. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa even though I was jumping around in my living room. But anyways, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I want you to know that I know in the groups that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of, I'm amazed, and even this week, coming away from our time together in the Carlton Place Home Group, I just was so thankful to God, saying, you are opening the doors of honesty, of real struggle that are creating deeper relationships and people are being helped and changed by Jesus Christ, by others in the body of Christ. And I encourage you next year as we start the year, if you don't have fellowship, to get a part of fellowship. And here's what I'm going to say. I could care less if it's at Northgate. If you find some group of believers somewhere doing something, it doesn't say it all has to be one little group. I'm saying as believers, if it's having coffee with two or three people or having them over, all I want is the, or to see people changed by being together in the name of Jesus Christ. Opening themselves up. This is who I am. This is where I need help. Not judged. Encouraged. Kept accountable. Being established in truth. We are not called to be alone. Because you ever see those nature movies when that one whatever gazelle gets away from the pack And the lions are like (laughs) licking their chops. But yet when the pack moves in, they're protected. When they get away from the pack, they're fair game for the evil's trick, the, the schemes of the devil and the tricks and the lies. And we know it says in God's word that the devil is prowling like a lion just waiting to pick us off. And sometimes we need a hard word in our life. Someone to speak truth to us. And sometimes we need a hug. But you can get neither when you're alone. This is a spiritual turning point for us to understand the power that there is. The spiritual power that God has for us if we will choose to do things together. My last point just in regards to some of these things we've talked about is simply this. Character matters. I'm kind of flipping the switch to the end of the chapter. I've had situations where someone's looked really fine on the outside. And it just seems the people who look great are acting are the ones who want a greater piece of the action. <laughs> I've had people come here. I haven't known them two weeks. I want to help with youth. When can I preach? My pastor in New Jersey used to say, why don't you start with the toilets? We'll see where your heart really is. When do I get to host a home group? Why don't you start coming with me to clean the building every Thursday morning? oh, I can do that. I wouldn't want to do that. And sometimes we need to discern together, but we just need a little time. And if someone's called to serve, guess what? In six months or a year, they'll still have the same call. Amen? But their character will show. Their humility will show. And I want to remind you in 1 Timothy 3 ministry and serving and anything we do, it's not your gift that matters, it's your character in Jesus Christ that matters. I've seen some very gifted people, they've been wolves in sheep's clothing. The section right after in Matthew 18, you know, you be careful because someone can prophesy and do this and do that, but they did not know me, and I did not know them. And Jesus said, "Guess what? A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit." That's what he said, right? You want to know a false prophet? It's not in this. False prophet is, let's see if there's fruit in their life over time. You know what happens to those trees who are proclaiming to be good but produce bad? Jesus said, let's get a little trim. (laughs) I meant a little cut down. I mean like firewood. We need to take the warning seriously. And again, I want you to know, I am not speaking of perfection. I'm speaking of simply good fruit. I'm speaking of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control. That type of character is what we want to see in the people who lead us and are around us. And if you're not sure, maybe there's people in your life, where are they? They say this or that. Just give it some time. And again, we're not looking to put people in a category I just want God's heart is always restoration and redemption. Amen? And that's what He wants for all of us here. But I only say that because be patient if you're not sure. Be patient. The truth will come forth in time, and God will show you. You don't have to rush. Be patient, and God will show forth character. And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. You're young. Just wait. These guys, they want you to lay their hands on them hastily. You know, you don't know them for a little bit of time. Give it some time, because what's inside is going to come out. And for us, may Jesus help us. May the Holy Spirit, who gives us holiness, who lives in us, produce amazing fruit so everyone can see it and that God will be glorified. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the creation of fellowship, community, and unity. And now, together, we establish Satan. Get out of our midst any division or offense, anything that's not from you. God, we don't want it here. Lord, we want to live in humility and forgiveness. We want to work together. Lord, help us. Sometimes it's hard. Satan accuses us. We feel like trash. We don't think we have anything to offer. We live in shame and guilt. But God, would you help us to understand we're forgiven today? That we're loved? That we have a lot to offer? We don't have to hide You don't have to hide. You see everything. God, would you help us not to judge one another, but to love one another? Would you help us to confront in love? Would you help us to follow the practical truth of your word? Not to jump on someone unless it's a pattern seen by others. God, we want this church to be your church. We need your help. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to make a difference on this earth. And so we know we need your Holy Spirit. We need the work of the spiritual realm here today. We need your Holy Spirit to go beyond what we can do. So we're saying that. We're two or three gathered Together, we're unified and we're asking, God, would you come? God, would you work? God, would you change us and make us what you want us to be? Can we agree upon that? Establish your truth in us together for your glory. And this morning, we agree that Jesus is everything that His body and His blood are what we should look at. We should set our mind on things above and not the things of this world. We should look at Christ at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We should know we are forgiven if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Communion. Get this. You know what it means? Common thoughts common thoughts about what? about Jesus about his death that we're forgiven that we're clean that's what we're doing we're having common thoughts about Jesus Christ and what he did for us right now oh man let's just celebrate and think about Jesus and again if you're living in shame and guilt or if you've never experienced forgiveness just call out to him. We need prayer for anything today. There'll be brothers, sisters in the back who want to have community. <laughs> you want to have communion, common thoughts with you about Jesus Christ. If you know there's something you need to confess or you know there's something you need help in, don't let your pride keep you. If you're struggling with physical illness and you need a healing, we'd love to pray for you. We're family. and Jesus is the head. Let's worship him. Amen.